0: It's good to have goals. In podcasting for business, that means goals for the business that the podcast is engineered to work towards. One of the most popular and effective podcast goals for companies is as a relationship building tool. This helps companies create and nurture the connections they need for different kinds of business growth, from new leads to educating and serving existing customers, to referral partners, to potential collaboration partners, and dare I say, maybe even new friends. Today, I'm talking to Raina Rokiki, a podcaster who's creating a great show and strategically using it to grow her media business by connecting with potential clients, refining and experimenting with formats to use within the business, and creating awareness of the many amazing women in her area, herself included. This is The Company Show, a podcast for business owners and marketing managers whose podcast is just one of the many, many things that they need to do every day. I'm Megan Doherty, one of the creators of podcastingforbusiness.com, and I'm sharing the results of our years of experience working with company podcasts and our original industry research. I'm talking to experts and company podcasters who have incredible insights about how to get the most out of their podcasts as efficiently as possible. So podcasts with guests are one of the most popular formats for shows. In the State of Business Podcasting Report, one of the areas that we look at is whether and how guests are integrated into podcasts. The results are very clear. 55% of the top 100 always have guests as the main body of their episode. Another 18% have guests sometimes, so in some episodes, but not all. And 9% have guest segments in some or all of their episodes, as opposed to them being the main thrust of the entire episode. So obviously the data really supports having guests as a strategy. And when you have a good understanding of the relationship between the guests that you talk to on your podcast and the business outcomes you need, you can establish and track the metrics that tell you whether or not your guest strategy is working as planned or if you need to pivot. If you're wondering how to do that, or if you should have guests on your podcast at all, then today's case study conversation is going to help you decide. I'm talking with Raina Rokiki, the owner of Ladies First Digital Media and the host of the You Betcha She Did podcast. She's using a relationship-building guest strategy perfectly to grow her show and her business. So we're talking about team, templates and workflow, goal-setting and pivoting, tech tools and social media strategies, and how it's all coming together to help Raina achieve her long-term objectives. It is a fantastic conversation and you're really going to enjoy it. Here it is. Raina, thank you so much for joining me here on The Company Show. Yeah, thanks, Megan. I'm happy to be here. Happy to share my story. Perfect. So well, to get things started, let's begin with your story, the story of your business, Ladies First Digital Media. Could you just tell us a little bit about
1: how it came to be, why you started it, and uh, all of that good origin stuff? Like a lot of stories, it's a little long-winded, so I'm going to try to give you the the Cliff Notes version. Originally, I was a teacher for many years of my life, and my husband and I taught overseas, and it was great. We taught in Nigeria for six years, Myanmar for two years, and then we came back to the United States in COVID, and I was looking for um, a different career I've always wanted to do something that lifted women up, helped empower women, especially moms, and I've always been interested in podcasts and audio, and so I decided to kind of pivot that way, uh, not only because it would fulfill this lifelong passion of me elevating women's voices, but also it's just an interest I'd had for, for a long time. So that's where the idea of Ladies First Digital Media came from, and as you can imagine from the name, not that I'm opposed to helping men, but I do want to primarily work with women. Mm -hmm. So ladies first, with the idea that, you know, we are going to help women be seen and heard through podcasts and YouTube channels. And um, out of that business, I decided, you know, one of the best ways for me to really dig into podcasting and learn more about it is to have my own podcast. Because, you know, you can take all the classes, you obviously work on your clients podcasts. But I'm like, you know what, I really want to have my own podcast which is very similar to what my whole company is about. My podcast is called You Betcha She Did. So again, a little Midwest um, language there, like, did she really do that? You betcha she did. You know, all about really cool rad women, especially in the Midwest of the U.S. doing neat things. But I thought it'd be a great way for me to kind of push that whole idea, that whole passion I have, but also use it kind of like as an experimental place where I can try different ideas with my own podcasts and see how they leverage see how they work before I want to apply them to my clients' podcasts. I love that. And that's
0: that's actually how this podcast that you are currently on came to be as well. We were producing and creating content for clients long before we had our own. I like to say we successfully managed to avoid having our own show for five years, but then we ran <laughs> out of excuses. <laughs> but it has been such a rich way to experiment. Like the, the different things that we can do, try different seasons. And we're going to dig into all of that with your show, but I'd love to ask you just a little bit more about your company first. So um, you work primarily with women lifting up their voices, which is amazing. Are there any particular
1: industries or verticals that you focus on? Again, it's mostly women entrepreneurs, uh, generally women either Mm -hmm. in the coaching or education space, so doing something to help families or other women in their lives. And right now my clients are from kind of all over the U.S., Mm -hmm really my dream, I'm going to whisper it out there, is to develop a more uh, Midwest-based like podcast production company. I'd love to have more women in the Midwest area kind of form a network because I, for a while I used to work for a podcast production company in North Carolina, Nava Studios. They're awesome. And they almost all their podcasters are from the North Carolina region, especially from Charlotte. And I just thought that was so cool. They're all women. They've got great shows. And I kept thinking, why do we not have this in Wisconsin? Why do we not have this in, you know, Michigan, in Illinois? Um, so that's, that's my end game. I, I'd, I'd love to kind of be a Midwest podcast production company. But in the meantime, I'm, you know, I love the the clients I currently have. I love all their missions because everyone's mission that I work with, I was like, yeah, fully on board with that. That's great. Let's, let's help, you know, families with this thing. Let's help women entrepreneurs with this thing. So my clients actually are pretty much the women I also have on my podcast. So those two mm-hmm. do go hand in hand, which is nice. And that was, you know, that was definitely intentional because I want to use my podcast as a way to, you know, showcase what I do, but then also hopefully bring me clients. That is always the goal. Uh, and I love that. And I mean,
0: thinking geographically is so, so smart, right? Because it, that, you're talking network, maybe as well as just production, right? And you can do so much cross promotion and kind of lifting everyone's show at the same time. So uh, great thinking. I've just got to say, I love the name of your podcast. You betcha you she did this. It's great. It's so sticky. <laughs> it captures just the right tone, too, of look at these amazing things that are happening. I think it's great. So more about your your company just a little bit. How is it structured? Is it
1: just you? Do you have a team? Who are you working with to create these, create these shows? My company's fairly new, so it's a little, it's almost two years old. And in the first, I would say, year and a half, it was just me. Uh, recently, I brought on like a contract employee just to help with some of the editing, and that's been helpful. So we're kind of at a um, point where we're trying to scale, but we're seeing if that's possible or not. And and I'm kind of diving into that whole like, okay, what is it like to have an employee? And I let me get some of those SOPs down and um, like streamline my processes a little bit more. That's where we're at. Oh, that's such a journey, and I mean, it's
0: a whole new skill set to learn too, right? Like growing a team is a big thing. It's so great when it starts to work, though. Yeah. Awesome. And so did you start your podcast at the same time as the company,
1: or was there a bit of a delay in between when those things happened? Just a tiny delay, but not a lot. I think I probably worked for three months and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna start this too. And and I just kinda dove in and went went from there. You were
0: way ahead of us in that score then. <laughs> Perfect. So, I assume, so you said some of the goals that you had for it were to, you know, I mean, of course, to to get clients and also to kind of demonstrate and practice. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've learned that you can now apply to your clients and your work through
1: having your own podcast? I mean, I think some of the things that I've learned is the importance of batching and working ahead, because you know a lot of people who do have podcasts, it's one piece of their other job or one piece of their side hustle where they're using it for promotion and to be available all the time, it's just not an option. I've learned right along with them that you really need to, you know, kind of take time out of your day, whether it's block scheduling to kind of say, okay, like who are the guests I want to have? And then I'm going to spend this next month doing outreach, you know, scheduling interviews, and then I'll have two or three months to kind of work my way through those interviews, edit them, promote them, uh, repurpose, that kind of thing. So I've learned the importance of doing that. When I first started, it was kind of week by week and that got a little crazy as you probably know. No, no, no clue what that one's like. Yeah. (laughs) I know it's just too much. And then what else has been really helpful? I think just of course, you know, developing your templates for reaching out to guests, how you respond, templates for social media, templates for pretty much everything, every step of the process, the easier you can do where you can just have something already made that you just need to tweak a little bit Mm
2: -hmm. has been
1: really helpful. Oh, that's so great. When what kind of goal setting? did you do around uh,
0: your podcast when you were starting it? Did you kind of know kind of off the bat, you know, you want to be able to experiment with this. And if you're doing that, it's successful. Or did you know that if it results in, say, two clients a year, that's successful? Sort of what did that
1: process look for you as you were designing the show? That's a great question. First, I just wanted, in terms of goal setting, I just wanted people to be aware of my company and what I did. So it was more just like brand awareness, I would say. And then now at this point, if I can get one client a year out of my podcast, then I feel like it's done the job. If I get more than that, that's that's awesome. That's a bonus. But if I can get one client, that covers all my production costs, plus more, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Have you been finding that is the case? Is it generating
0: that type of relationship for you?
1: Yeah, yes, it is. And it's the nice thing you know about having a show with guests on, um, because my guests primarily are Midwest located, as I reach one person they recommend someone else. And then this network keeps expanding. And then, you know, when they promote their episode on their network, more people are aware. And so it just kind of blossoms in that way. So it's constantly working to get the word out about what I do, how to promote women, you know, how those things go hand in hand. And also, you know, as I bring guests on, it's really neat to it in the personal aspect of, I just get to meet all these great, amazing women. So I'm, I'm always networking, which is really, really nice. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's one part I really love about it. Because how else would I meet these really amazing women doing great things out there? You know, it's like my show is a perfect vehicle <laughs> for me to do that and then help lift up what they're doing. Oh, and even better. I mean, you're doing it in like a geographic area. You could even potentially
0: see these people from time to time and maybe hang out once in a while. That's <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, I love that. And I'm deeply envious. No one ever comes to Canada. so. <laughs> We're <laughs> <Poor> Canada. <laughs>
1: Perfect. So just from a
0: timeline perspective, and maybe you can even kind of compare and contrast this to how it works with your clients, but how long did you find it took you to go from, I should have a podcast to fantastic. We're on Spotify.
1: Yeah. I would say it took about a two month process mm-hmm. just to kind of, you know, get the idea for the show and think about branding and, and get the equipment and, and test it out. So yeah, I would say about two months. Perfect. And because you were doing this for other people, did you, use or draw on any resources?
0: Like, did you read any great books or read any blogs or listen to any podcasts? Kind of who were the people or the
1: resources that helped you on the journey? Before I started my company, I took a course through the podcast production school. and It mm-hmm. is through, I think the VA handbook. I'll have to double check. I think it's the VA handbook. And that was great because after the course, you have this whole community that it was like a Facebook group, so to speak. Even though, you know, we'd gone through together and learned all the different things, it was nice to be able to bounce ideas off them and be like, okay, what did you guys experience with this? How did it go? So I think having a community of any kind is really helpful as you get started because there's so many questions that are gonna come up and there's so many decisions you have to make. And they're not all hard decisions, but you you do get a little bit of decision overload, I would say, (laughs) as you're trying to think about it. And, And it's really easy to overthink everything. You know, I've definitely learned that you need to throw out perfection. And I tell it to my clients all the time. You know, like if you want perfect, This is not the right space for you. You just have to get started. You have to dive in and you got to learn along the way. And I think once I embraced that mindset, it was so much easier. It was like, I'm just going to try it and we're just going to see what happens and we're going to pivot a lot and we're going to take a look at analytics (laughs) and then also like go realistic too. like when I first started my podcast, I was like, I'm just going to do 12 episodes and Mm -hmm. then we'll just see because I also I have two kids And so when summer came along, I was like, it's just not realistic for me to be recording, especially at my house. So I took a break for the summer and then I came back. And it's definitely, you know, I needed that's kind of what I needed to do. But it did affect the numbers too. Like when you do Mm -hmm. take a break from podcasting for a couple months and you come back, you do, you lose some of your audience. You have this momentum Mm -hmm. that's picking up and then you lose some of those people and you've got to kind of rebuild it. So that part's a little bummer, a little bit of a bummer, but I wouldn't say, or I would say, don't let it stop you you know, like if you have to take breaks, that's okay. Some people do podcasts where it's a whole series of episodes that come out and then they take a break for the rest of the year. And the next year they have another, you know, chunk of episodes that come out. And so you have to find what works for your schedule and uh, and your end goals.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think, I think taking a break from time to time, it's really creatively good. It can become such a slog all the time. Even if you can love it, you can love who you're talking to, you can love who you're creating, but if you don't recharge and kind of reinvest the creative energy once in a while, it just gets really, really difficult to maintain. Yeah,
1: definitely. And then you kind of lose your momentum and your passion too, right? You forget why you're doing it. It seems more work than the passion part. And and that's not good. And it shows up, right? It's going to show up in your audio and how you present it as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I
0: think that's one of the things I'm excited to experiment about with for our show next year. We've always done in seasons. And uh, for the last like six, eight months, I think we've been going every other week. That was our most, uh, before that it was like a season of 12 episodes, drop them, move to the next one. Now we're going weekly. It's going to be a new experiment, slightly intimidating
1: one. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a lot of that advanced planning, that's for sure.
0: Well, now, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about uh, your production workflow. Uh, Because I think I know a lot of people listen to this, you know, what is the reality of podcasting going to be? And as a fellow producer, I'll be taking diligent notes on your entire process. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. What's the process for you when you go from this would be a great podcast idea to the episodes ready to go? If you can just walk us through the different steps that that goes through.
1: I mean, throughout the year, I'm slowly collecting people that I find interesting, whether it's recommendations, or I saw them on LinkedIn, I love their post, or, you know, they were a speaker at a conference. So throughout time, I'm kind of just dumping these ideas in a brainstorm on ClickUp, like, oh, I like this guest, I like this guest. What's going to happen now? Like, I'm going to go through that list and I'm going to start doing outreach where I'm like, hey, you know, I have a pitch. I'd love to have you on your podcast, on my podcast. Here's why. You know, I usually like to give them a little um, demographic information like here's my audience. Here's what you'll get out of it just to kind of, you know, entice them to come speak. And then that's usually about a two week process, that invitation back and forth. Yes, no. No. And then once I have a good handful of people, then I'm going to start scheduling interviews. And I like to try to do them, like I said, in about a month's time. So it's a little heavy for a while, for sure. And you have to kind of look at your work schedule and be like, is this a good time for me to, you know, powerhouse all these interviews? Because sometimes it's anywhere from two to six interviews a week. And that's, that can be a lot. Six is a lot. (laughs) I know. I just kind of like try to push through those, have that energy show up every day. And then ideally I get, I would say like 80 or 90% of them done in that month with a few still having to take care of later down. And this is for a like a chunk. Like if I'm doing this now in December, I'll start doing the interviews, maybe the whole month of January. And then I would have all my interviews through the end of May so that yeah. when May comes along again, I'll I'll start that process over for the summer and then we'll do it again for the fall, winter. And then, yeah, I have those interviews done. And then I just kind of, when I have time, I'm going to chip away at the editing you know, I like to do it at least a week in advance, mm-hmm. not more, usually two weeks in advance. Ideally, actually, I like to do two at a time. So I'll say, I'll say I'm going to do the next two episodes. I'm going to edit them. I'll do the social media, the reels, and I'm going to send it back to them just to double check everything. And then I'll get ready to promote it. And, and that's it. So that's kind of how my production process works.
0: It's nice that you can kind of take on all of it and not be, I mean, depending on a lot of different people. I know that's a big sticking point for a lot of folks is having just to manage the whole process of yeah. all of the different moving parts. Yep. And uh, what about tools you're using uh, You know, for recording? What's your mic? Let's uh, drop some names.
1: I love Riverside. I just started doing that last year. Before that, I had Squadcast and that was nice too. But what I love about Riverside is that you can do audio and video and it doesn't matter if your guest has a microphone, you know, because most of the guests that I have, they're not going to have microphones. So mm-hmm. in- it makes them sound amazing. It makes them look amazing no matter where they are. So I'd highly recommend Riverside. It's, it's a pretty affordable price point. For my podcast hosting site. I, like, I use Buzzsprout. I, I mm-hmm. really like it. Again, super fun. They've got a lot of great tools. Before that, I was using Spotify for podcasters, which is great when you're starting out because it's free. <laughs> like you yes. can't be free, right? Free's awesome. So that's a good one to start if you want to kind of up a little bit. I, I love Buzzsprout. Some of my clients use Libsyn. You know, it kind of depends what, mm-hmm. you, what you like to use. For audio editing, I like to use Audacity. Again, that's a free, downloadable one. Pretty user-friendly once you know a couple tips and tricks. Love Audacity. Yeah, me too. Exactly. It's so great. Uh, I also use WeVideo, which is Mm -hmm. something I used to use as a teacher, but it's a really easy to use editing program. And it's easy to mix music. It's easy. I use it for Reels and stuff like that as well. Social media, I use Canva and Adobe Premiere Pro just to kind of make cuts and and uh, social media graphics, Reels, stuff like that. What else? Oh, I just started using PodPage. I haven't spent Ooh. a lot of time on a um, podcast web page. And I was finally like, I need to invest in that. You know, really working on like SEO for the for like your longer show notes, putting links in, things like that. So that's that's kind of my next step. Before that, I just had like the basic web page that Buzzsprout would make automatically, and that's fine too, but I'm, my next experimentation is like, let me see how it affects, <laughs> you know, listenership, having a really good web page where, you know, Google and those sites can drive traffic to my podcast, so I'm doing that. I use Otter AI for transcripts, um, Buzzsprout has those in too, but for my clients, I use that as well. I think those are the main ones that I use. I've got a follow-up
0: question about PodPage. Why did you decide to go with a service like that? And Punch Page is great. Like they make gorgeous sites, but why did you decide to use a service like that rather than putting it on your own website? What was kind of your, your thinking around that?
1: Yeah, well, you'll like this story. So I went to the Podcasting for Business conference that you guys put on. I do like this story. <laughs> Danielle Desiree Corbus was on and I subscribed to her five-day SEO podcast show notes challenge. And in it, she uses it. And um, I started their free trial and I just saw all the benefits like you can really do a lot with where you place your podcast player, it automatically imports your episode description. So there's no work on your end. You can collect your listeners emails to use it. That's something I've been wanting to do and I haven't done and I was like, Oh, it does it automatically for me. Like, that's awesome. You can have it everything linked to your YouTube It just has so many automatic features that I've wanted. And it's the only place I've found so far that has them all in one. So it looks pretty good. So I'll let you contact me in six months and let me know. (laughs) I'll tell you how it goes. (laughs) So far, I was like, oh, it's like no work for me. And it does it automatically. I just have to fix a few things here or there. So it, it seems pretty great. And that is so great, especially if the main content that you're putting out is your podcast. Otherwise, you're
0: providing services and consulting. It you know doesn't necessarily make sense for you to direct a lot of traffic to your own site. You only need like the potential you need the perfect people coming to your website, but you want as many people as possible coming to your podcast site. So that's I think a really sensible choice, especially as a small team. Yeah, you don't necessarily have an assistant to do all of the work for you. No, yeah, no, not yet. Maybe someday. (laughs) So I'd love to move on and chat a little bit about audience and community of your show. First one is. Do you have a target listener? And if so, can you describe
1: them? Probably kind of clear, but my target listener would be a woman. Generally, <laughs> I would say ages 30 to 55, 60. Mm-hmm. That is pretty much my listener. I have 80% women like in that age category. Yeah. I do have some men, which is great. Woo! My ideal listener is definitely the, the people, the woman who's mm-hmm. tuning in so far, which is great. And how are you verifying that that's who's listening? Do you have a system for that? or? Yeah, I just look at my analytics. On Buzzsprout, sometimes I go into the Apple podcast, too. They have really good analytics on that site as well, where you can really Mm -hmm. dig into the gender, where people are from, like geographic wise. And then also you can look at how long they're listening to your episode. I love that on Apple iTunes. It's interesting. My episodes are generally, I would say like 18 to 30 minutes. And um, I do notice that it's not often that people get past 20 minutes. And, you know, I know Mm -hmm. I've heard that, you know, you definitely want to keep them short. Sometimes the interviews are longer, but I, looking at the analytics, I was like, oh, that's fascinating. Like, I do need to kind of err on the side of shorter episodes if possible.
0: Do you find the listen through rates a lot better for the shorter shows? Like are people getting to 80, 90, 95 yes. percent?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, interesting. I know. I feel like they must be listening to that, you know, for just people like they're driving their car around or taking their dog mm-hmm. for a walk or, you know, whatever, washing dishes while they're listening to a podcast. And they're like, yep, my chore's done. Now I got to do something else. So at least for my demographic, I felt like, yeah, I was like, oh, if I can get yeah. that 20 minutes or under mark, that's like gold. Oh, that's
0: really good learning. I always find it interesting kind of looking at this stat and look at the analytics and always comparing it to my own behavior. Because I know if I'm listening yeah. to a podcast, if I'm like done what I'm doing and there's five minutes left in the podcast, I'm done listening to that episode. It doesn't matter how good the last five minutes. Is. I'm not going to go turn on just five minutes.
1: I know. Really interesting. And of course, heartbreaking as a producer. But- yeah. <laughs> 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 I know. You're like, oh, darn. I want people to do keep listening, but I, I can't practice what I preach. Exactly. So. Yeah. So it's really
0: hard to, well, no, it's, it's still easy to blame them, but I feel bad about it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what about kind of now you're more listening public out in the wild, like in your show, request specific types of engagement, like liking, following, chatting, or do you do it on social? Sort of how are you trying to connect with these people at the next level?
1: I do Instagram. I have a, a good following there and that's fun. I do want to keep increasing the engagement. I mean, I get a lot of likes and stuff like that. Not as many comments, Mm-hmm. I'm working on that. And then I do take the same reels that I use for Instagram and I put them on YouTube as YouTube shorts um, on my channel, just cause it's a perfect way to repurpose. Okay. And again, it's a different audience too. I feel like who's coming to YouTube. So I do that as far as social media goes, like that's something I need to keep working on. Like I don't do a lot of polls or asking people questions. And again, that's, that's like my 2024 goals. I was like, yeah, I gotta be better at, you know, trying to engage them. And, um, just getting people to respond to things. Like I know they're <laughs> looking at it and they're liking it, but I want more than that. Of course. And do you ever get any
0: people reaching out? Do you kind of get to get like that direct, like maybe an email or, or a response to this? Do you have a nice audience story?
1: You know, like I've gotten a couple of nice outreaches where I featured, you know, a woman business who's someone, maybe they've been there, but they never knew the backstory of how that person got started. And they just wanted to say, you know, thanks. And it was so fascinating. And, You know, I have a lot of people who've reached out to who have a dream, you know, of starting Mm -hmm. a business or going that next step and just hearing the stories of other women, especially not only that it's not perfect either, right? Like they've gone through some struggles and here's how they handled it. Like they found that really enlightening, which is good. That's kind of what I want, you know, to show them like there's all these options out there and you can do it. It's not going to be perfect and you're going to fail, (laughs) but you're also going to learn a lot and eventually you'll get to where you want to be. But here's, you know, real women trying those things. That's lovely. So you mentioned uh, that you, you know, you've got uh, kind of going out on Instagram, you're putting reels
0: onto YouTube shorts, kind of what's the production process? You've gotten a finished episode, you've written all your assets, kind of how are you getting them out there? You manually posting You use a scheduler and what are the different places where you're putting your content?
1: Yeah, right now I'm doing it manually. Again, I'd love to do the scheduling. Haven't gotten around to that someday, but yeah, I'll, so I'll have my episode done. I've got my reels created, my posts, and then generally a day before the episode goes live, I'll do like a sneak peek of it using a reel on Instagram and YouTube. And then the day of, I'll have a kind of a longer post, you know, with some little teasers like, hey, you're going to want to tune in because we're going to talk about this, this and this. And again, I'll do that on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. The next day after that, I'll post again, like, hey, in case you missed it, you're going to want to tune in to check this, this and this. Mm -hmm. And then something I'm going to start to do that I haven't done yet too, is do what, like a follow-up post, just saying like, if you like this episode, you're also going to want to check out this episode. So I want to be better at that linking mm-hmm. because that seems to be a good key too. It's like, if you like this one, check out this one. Yeah. And one thing I learned in uh, Danielle's course that I need to do is that in your show notes, you put that, you say, if you like this topic, or if you're interested in this, here's links to three other episodes that you might like and just make it really easy. It's in the show notes for for the listeners. So I feel like that's an awesome strategy that I have not tried, but I will, it's on my docket. Excellent. And if you do want
0: to experiment with a scheduler, we've had great experience with Metricool. What is it called again? Sorry. It's called Metricool. So like Metricool, okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, great price. And it's got all of the social platforms.
1: Awesome, that's nice. I like that, I'm writing that one down.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. It's fun to talk to other producers. <laughs> We've always got the best tech recommendations for each other. Yes, I know, right? Let's talk about just, uh, kind of my final topic for the case studies, a little bit about ROI. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, if you're getting one client out of a year, it's excellent the podcast is fulfilling its business function. Yes. Are there any other stats or metrics or KPIs that you track for the podcast? Like what did, what's telling you you're doing well?
1: Well, definitely the client thing.
0: Yeah, that's huge.
1: That's the big one. Yeah, like if I can see that my downloads are increasing you know, and it's been pretty gradual. Every once while, there's a bump, like there's an episode that does really well. But if I can see that it's increasing slowly over time, that's good. Other things too, like this is more anecdotal, I guess. But recently, I've been asked to do talks for women's groups. Like they've heard about my podcast, and they mm-hmm. want me to come talk to them. And I think that's neat because it's just a really great way to network. Again, kind of <laughs> share my my passion for what I do, uplift women. That's kind of a newer thing that's that's happening. And going along with that too is like conferences. I had a couple of people reach out like, hey, are you interested in speaking at a conference or being an MC?" Whether or not I do those things, it's nice to know that people are kind of thinking of me as a thought leader in this space uh, or, you know, almost like, I guess I don't even want to use the word expert, but like someone who talks about women's issues and wants to lift women up. So like my name comes up, which is good. Oh, and speaking of that, I just got nominated for a Women's Leadership Award. I know, I'm so excited for, for my Sheboygan County where I live. So that is it's really exciting too. I was like, Oh, awesome. So that's another great way that I feel like, Oh, people like what I'm doing and they're noticing what I'm doing, you know? So yay for that. I love that you mentioned the, the invitations and the opportunities that you're getting. So that's one of the the things that
0: we teach our clients to look for. If they're making a thought leadership play, you'll know yeah. you're starting to succeed when you start getting those invitations. And it's so cool to hear that validated yeah. by someone we have not indoctrinated with our particular model. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Do you pay any attention to, or is it uh, valuable for you to pay attention to how your different metrics are growing over time? Like, do you have a system in place for kind of reviewing, here's how we're doing at new clients, here's how we're doing at downloads, here's how we're doing it at possibly opportunities, if you decide to start tracking that? Kind of what does monitoring look like for you?
1: Yeah, every month, um, usually near the end of the month, I sit down and I just look at the analytics for the month. And I just have kind of like a spreadsheet where I just track like downloads, what's the most popular episode, are there trends? Again, engagement, that kind of thing. And then, you know, you just look at that month to month to see if there's growth, if there's trends, things going on. And then I know for myself and my clients too, quarterly, I look at that and just see if I need to pivot at all. Like, for example, do we need to try something different on social media? Do I need to, is there something coming up that I want to really promote or highlight on the podcast? So just kind of those little shifts. And it's not big shifts because I feel like when you have a strategy, you really want to give it at least a good three months to see if there's any traction. If you're changing every month, you don't get a chance to see that change. So you definitely want to let it settle for a little bit and then, and then make little shifts and see how it goes.
0: Oh, I think that's a great strategy. Can you share a little more about one of the pivots that you've made on the basis of doing this evaluation?
1: Like what did you learn and what did you change and how did that go? Yeah. One of the things that I learned in terms of like social media engagement that I pivoted on is like, I used to only do like one post on social media. Like the day the episode came out, I was like, here it is exciting. Check it out. And then this was a while ago, but then I was like, I'm going to do a preview, the day of posts and then an after post." And I feel like I've really seen engagement go up that way because Mm -hmm. not everybody's on social media every day or at that particular time. So even though it kind of seems repetitive, you're like, didn't I just talk about this yesterday? You're catching more people and more people are tuning in. Another thing that's helped as well is when you do stories on Instagram, you can put the link right to your episode. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a no brainer, right? But I wasn't doing that for a while. And uh, someone pointed it out to me. They're like, I would go listen to this if you had the link here. And I was like, thank you, kind person. (laughs) So I was like, yes, that's smart. Going to do that. And uh, I feel like going to
0: check our own stories as soon as we're done this conversation. (laughs)
1: And I was like, make it easy, direct them right there. They just push the button because, you know, if they have to do three clicks, they're not going to go. I get it. (laughs)
0: Oh, awesome. And uh, would it be possible to kind of uh, give us an idea of the value, like the investment that you're making in your show and the value that you're getting out of that? How does that look for your business?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just kind of uh, adding that up before you came. I would say it probably in like those subscriptions for those different um, programs and whatnot, it probably cost me around $100, $110 a month. So looking at that, you know, that's like twelve hundred dollars a year to mm-hmm. produce my show, not counting the time, of course. Uh, which is important. And uh, <laughs> as a yeah, producer exactly. also, it's
0: very high quality time.
1: Yeah. And let's say I get one, you know, a podcast client and I produce their show and it costs me a thousand dollars a month to edit and social media and all that good stuff. So then it's like, okay, I've made twelve thousand dollars from one client, but it only takes me twelve hundred dollars to promote. So if you think of it yeah. as like a marketing campaign. $1,200 isn't that big of an investment. You know, if you get one or two clients, it's, it's totally worth it. Oh, amazing. Any for the future, what are some of the next experiments that you have planned for your show? Yeah, well, like I talked about, um, having a really good podcast website. <laughs> That's my experiment. That's one. Um, I've always wanted to do an email newsletter and just like a monthly one, just like, hey, here's the past episodes. Here's why they're awesome. You might want to check these up. Here's what's coming up. So that is also on the docket in the future. Those are like the two big things I would say in the future. Better website, monthly newsletter. Amazing. And what do you think is the next big milestone for your podcast to hit? I would say I've reached 10,000 downloads, which is great. So, you know, in the next year, I know, yay! Next year, I'd love to get Mm 20,000 because it's taken me two years to get there. So if I can cut that in half, that would be awesome. If not, you know, as long as it keeps growing, that's great, too. Awesome. And for anyone who's listening who wants to, you know, they're thinking about starting a podcast, can you give one tip, one warning, and one resource? Okay, my tip is to just start. So, again, don't stress about all the things. Just start. Just try it, see what happens. There's tons of groups and people you can reach out to if you just have questions you want to bounce off to about, you know, figure something out, but just start. Don't get stuck. A warning, I would say you have to figure out what works for you. For me, I, It's important to take breaks, but don't take breaks that are too long. (laughs) It's kind of a balance, right? My podcast Mm -hmm. is weekly and I'm going to have to rethink how I'm going to do summer, but just be mindful if you do take a break, it will affect you and that's okay. And then a resource, oh, this is something I found helpful is ChatGPT. You know, I know everyone's Mm -hmm. experimenting in AI, but depending on the kind of show you have, I found ChatGPT to be super helpful in terms of brainstorming topics, um, my show is more guest-based, so sometimes I, I just kind of ask ChatGPT to help me brainstorm really good interview questions based on my guest and their topic. It's not something I use word for word, but it just helps me think outside the box. And I, for my clients, I try to help them when they're stuck. I was like, okay, let's go to ChatGPT and let's say, you know, what are 10 topics based on this, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like how to raise money smart families, what could we cover? You know, and then it'll just give us some good ideas. So it's, I feel like it's really helpful for brainstorming. So if you have that, your mind stuck, you can't think of anything, use your friend, ChatGPT, <laughs> to get the mind going again. Is a brilliant toddler,
0: the ChatGPT. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Raina, this has been amazing. Thank you for being so generous with your knowledge and sharing all this information about how you use your show. Uh, where
1: can people listen to it and find out more about you and the work that you do? Sure. Well, the podcast You Betcha She Did can be found, you know, anywhere, any major podcast Mm -hmm. players. You can definitely follow us on Instagram. That's a place we show up a lot. Again, it's Instagram at You Betcha She Did. The YouTube channel is also at You Betcha She Did. And then you can find my company, the Ladies First Digital Media Company. And it's just ladiesfirstdigitalmedia.com as a website. And uh, yeah, please reach out, especially if you have podcasting questions. If you're an amazing woman entrepreneur who wants to, who needs someone to help produce their podcast or YouTube channel, and especially if you live in the Midwest, you're my gal. Let's do this. Amazing. Raina, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Megan.
0: There are a few things from my conversation with Raina that I'd especially like to highlight again. She established clear goals for the podcast. And she has clear criteria for achieving those goals. In her case, at least one new client a year as a result of the podcast. She regularly reviews her content, processes, and expectations and makes changes to optimize her results. And when you go listen to You Betcha She Did, which you should do right after this, you'll hear a high quality, warm, and engaging show that stands alone as excellent content. These are wins all around. One of the things Raina mentioned in our conversation was attending a presentation by Danielle Desir Corbett at last year's Podcasting for Business conference. Danielle's a returning speaker and former guest on the company show who has, in my opinion, the best podcast SEO strategy in the industry. This goes well beyond the use of keywords and right into business growth strategy. During her Ask the Expert session on podcast SEO at the conference last year, Danielle dropped one of those strategic bombs that makes you sit up and go, oh, oh. Here's a short clip where she's talking about making information available the
2: way people want to consume it. People really struggle with, I don't want to give it all away by writing out what's in the episode. You're never going to give it all away because there's nuances in how you talk and the jokes and certain things that you will be doing in audio that will not be transferable via written content. But it doesn't matter how your folks get the information, whether it's reading a blog post or listening to a podcast episode, it doesn't matter because we're business owners and we're trying to amplify and make money and profits, right? So you can use your podcast show notes strategy to get eyeballs, for people searching on Google and they're gonna find you and they're gonna read your stuff and book your calls and purchase your items. They may listen to the podcast, who cares? You give it to them how they want it to receive it. They want to read it, I got you. They want to watch a video, I got you. If you want to listen to an episode, I got you.
0: I think this is so great because it really highlights the fallacy of chasing downloads when you're podcasting for your business. Downloads are a metric that can really cloud our judgment when it comes to evaluating success and attributing value. Like Danielle says, if a potential client wants to read rather than listen, let them. That's why we're doing this. Her whole presentation was amazing, and you can get the recording and the other 20 from the conference right now at pfbcon.com. And like Raina pointed out in our conversation, you should be regularly checking in with your goals and metrics and making changes to try and perform a little better all the time. But with enough time between changes that you have really clear data about what's happening and how it's working. Otherwise, if you're constantly making changes, you never know what to attribute the value to. So if this is an area where you'd like a little support for your show, check out the Business Podcast Accelerator. We can help you set up your stats tracking, review your episodes, keep an eye on your promotions, and help you make the incremental shifts that result in huge outcomes for your business. It's all at podcastingforbusiness.com slash accelerator. So, Thank you so much for joining me today on The Company Show. I'm your host, Megan Doherty, and this episode was created by the whole team at One Stone Creative. If you found some value in this episode, it would be a huge support if you shared it with a business owner that you think should have a podcast. Until next time.